bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. Glad you can join us. I'm your host, Paul Dragu. Right now in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, a group of eco-Nazis are meeting to discuss big plans for us little people. They pretend their plans are about saving the planet, when in reality, they're all about controlling us and making sure there are less people on the planet. The New American Magazine has been attending these climate meetings off and on for the past three decades. We have been saying for at least just as long that the agreements and the plans that are discussed at these events eventually turn into policy. Now, sadly, we've been right. This year, we've sent a small team to Dubai to report on the COP28 climate conference. And we're going to start out by talking with senior editor for The New American, Alex Newman, and also part of the team, Debbie Bacigalupi, who is a rancher out of California. Welcome, guys. Great to be here. Thank you so much, Paul. So, Alex, what's uh, what's going on over there? Give us some of the highlights. You've been there for a few days. Uh, what What's happening in Dubai right now? What grand plans are they concocting for us? Well, they're in the phase that they hit every single year at these global warming negotiations where they pretend like, oh, we really got to compromise now so we can come up with a final agreement. And so uh, the the main issue, I guess, if you will, that they are pretending at least to be debating is whether we're going to have a total phase out of fossil fuels, a phase down of fossil fuels, or maybe none of the above. And so uh, there's, you know, the usual scripted, the Saudis are saying, no, we will not allow a you know, phase out of fossil fuels. The Some of the Western governments, including the Norwegians, are demanding a total phase out of fossil fuels over time. And then there are those in the middle. And so my guess is by the time this is all over, they'll come up with a compromise. They'll save the day and it'll be calling for a gradual phase down of fossil fuels. But of course, we're in a magnificent city built with oil wealth. Uh, We are in one of the largest oil producing regions in the world. And, uh, you know, it's... There, there's so much going on, Paul. I could go on and on. Uh, one of the things that I focused on today was the the religious element. Mm-hmm. They did an interfaith faith walk. You had rabbis, bishops, uh, pagans of various varieties, um, uh, spirit worshipers, Zoroastrians, etc. Uh, they all gave a prayer according to their faith tradition that we would invoke uh, climate justice and things like this. Uh, Debbie's been focusing a little bit on the, the war on farmers. She actually just got back from a press conference where they wanted to get rid of uh, meat, basically. Debbie, and tell meat, us about that. And, and you, yeah, yeah cattle ranchers. Okay, so yeah, no more cattle ranchers. Meat, but also me. But yeah, they all but said in this press conference that uh, the elephant in the room was that uh, kettle depopulation. So like, I just kept waiting for somebody to say, you know what, what we need to do is depopulate, not just human beings, but cattle as well. And so, yeah, it's just extraordinary. The hypocrisy that that it exists every conference, every time we go to these conferences, the hypocrisy is so amazing, like just outrageous. For example, I said to one of the speakers at the press conference, after the press conference, do you know that everything here is livestock byproduct? But it doesn't seem to matter to them. They're on an agenda and you and I and my cattle are on the table. Yep. So, yeah, you got the war on farmers, the war on fossil fuels. And, uh, of course, the communist Chinese are laughing all the way to the bank as the West commits uh, energy and industrial suicide. Now, is the host nation the only one kind of pushing back on this? Because like you said, you're in Dubai. It's made with oil money. Uh, We discussed this with Steve earlier. Uh, My understanding is that there's others who are not necessarily taking this as seriously. Have you sensed or seen some of the same frustration that Steve has described uh, among the eco-Nazis that 
that there are too many who are not taking this seriously. Apparently, uh, fossil fuel expansion has actually risen even in the West, not just in the Middle East. Uh, what is your take on that? Well, they say there's 2,500 uh, lobbyists connected with the fossil fuel industry just at this summit, which, you know, bigger than uh, almost every single national delegation at this thing. Uh, but I mean, I think if, when you really boil it down, the the point of these things is not actually to phase out fossil fuels. Everybody who has a brain, with the exception of, you know, the, the true believers here who are really drinking the Kool-Aid, knows that there's going to be no phase out of fossil fuels. What it's really about when you boil it down is we've got to shut down energy in the Western world, the United States, Canada, Mexico, Japan. Uh, 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 Canada, et cetera, so that we can shift all of that production to communist China, Russia, et cetera. And so the Russians also were laughing all the way to the bank. A few years ago, we exposed uh, using congressional documents how the Russians through uh, the Kremlin, through a shell corporation in Bermuda called Klein Limited, were actually funding the crazy green groups in the United States, demanding that all the oil stay in the ground. Uh, it, at the beginning, some of the princes here did push back a little bit on the idea that we'd get rid of fossil fuels. The Saudis are still doing that. But uh, ultimately, this was never really about ending fossil fuels. You hear a lot of stuff about carbon capture. These are just new ways to scam consumers and taxpayers out of money. But uh, what do you what are you seeing, Debbie? Is there a lot of pushback? Yeah, I, I, I do see some pushback for sure. I was just in the uh, just after the press conference on meat and no more meat eating. I was in the U.S. Center and they were talking about gas emissions and methane and how we are going to be using uh, the World Meteorological Organization, the WMO, and satellite imagery um, to monitor, uh, control, and surveil methane. And so they'll, they'll use these advanced technologies. And they're pretty much, I think they're already built. They're just trying to figure out the nuances so that this can be a global data collection that they would be able to tell where there's methane emitting anywhere at any time. Wait, wait, and can so, you explain like, that? And they're being? all excited about this. They're all just like, you know, this is like a momentous conference for them, in my opinion. Um, one, they've got huge funding already for the loss and damage um uh, fund, yeah. fund. And then also they are having agreements like with methane. They say, I say methane, but they say methane. And, and so I think, Alex, I think that this for, for the globalists has been so far a successful cop. Yeah which is frightening. If you love freedom and liberty, it's it's rather frightening. Yeah. Uh, and I think what you pointed out about the control is really critical to understand here. They know there's no way to phase out all CO2 emissions unless you eliminate all human beings. Uh, and, and even that wouldn't make any dent in CO2 emissions. I mean, human emissions of CO2 are a fraction of a fraction of 1% of all the greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, even if you believe the greenhouse gas theory. And so what this is really about is control. When you hear them talking about central bank digital currencies, in fact, right when I got to the airport, Paul, all these advertised MasterCard talking about your personal carbon tracker. That's what this is about. It's about control. It's about rationing. It's about implementing technocracy through total control of energy, of land, of food, of everything you could imagine. And so, you know, the the, the fossil fuel phase out, that's just for the, the Kool-Aid drinking activists so that the rest of the clown show looks reasonable by comparison. Uh, Alex, are you are you noticing that they're becoming more bold in admitting what they want to do? Get rid of you know fossil fuels, stop you from eating meat. Uh, is there any talk of ushering us into these fifteen minute cities yet? 
they are getting much more open about what they're doing. And actually, this is exactly what Robert Welch predicted, uh, what, 50, 60 years ago, where he talked about there was going to come a time when the globalists, the deep staters, the insiders, as he called them, would be running through the street naked and everybody would see what they were doing. Uh, and we're, we're very rapidly approaching that point. Uh, they, they are telling you everything's going to change. We're going to completely restructure agriculture, completely restructure government. So it, they really are coming out of the closet. What's your what's your take on that, Debbie? Yeah, from all the cops and you. UN conferences that I've gone to this each year, it gets a little bit more scary for me to ask the questions that I really want to ask because um, it just feels like we are so far behind and they are so close to having their, you know, global utopia that um, that even for for the new American, you know, we are I mean, like, I just think we're sk we're skating on a very thin ice on what we can and cannot ask at these conferences now, because yeah. I think they're that close and all they have to do is say, hey, you're out of here. Yeah. Um, so, oh, wow. and, and I just, you know, want to acknowledge everything that I'm seeing. It's just, you know, a nobody, I call myself a nobody, but um, the new American has been predicting this for decades now. Hey Everything guys, that, we got to take a quick break. Right now. Folks, for more news and in-depth analysis from the New American Magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. The New American Magazine has been telling the truth about the attacks on our nation from within and without since 1985. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than the New American. You can get a subscription online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top and then subscribe on the drop down. If you prefer, you can call for a subscription. You can call 800-727-8783 Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800-727-8783. We're going to be right back with Alex and Debbie. Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com Welcome back, folks. So we have senior editor for the New American Magazine, Alex Newman, and Debbie Bacigalupi uh, at in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates at the COP28 Climate Conference. Guys, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Now, you guys were talking about reporters. Uh, you guys got to be careful because if, you, if you're too bold in your questions, uh, then you might get kicked out. So are you guys like the only reporters there who, uh, who have any common sense and who dare uh, buck the, the, the narrative? Yeah, the, the tolerance level for dissent is rapidly shrinking. Uh, e even questions that they don't like uh, are not just frowned upon, but taken really, really seriously. Uh, as far as I know, we are the only 
media outlet here that is even asking real questions. I mean, everybody else is drinking the Kool-Aid. For years, I've been calling the press section the, the cheerleading section. Uh, these people get up and give a standing ovation when the politicians come in and say they're stand- saving the world. Uh, when they get an opportunity to ask questions, you know, why aren't you doing more to save us from carbon emissions? I mean, there, there's actually no legitimate opposition media here that I know of that's asking tough questions, that's speaking truth to power. Virtually none. Debbie, are you aware of any other no. publication here no. that's no? So, no, it's just us. We're outnumbered, what, 20,000 to one. So who else there? Is everyone there? New York Times, Associated Press, Washington Post, all of them, huh? Everybody's here. Yep. Um, you know, in the, in the U.S. media, you're not seeing a lot of coverage of this summit because they know that Americans are not buying it. Uh, they've looked at the polling data. They know that most American adults don't believe this stuff. But from around the world, you've got everybody here, uh, CNN, all the big media. In fact, I was just talking to one of the CNN guys. Everybody's here. The whole world is getting just like a nonstop fire hose of propaganda out of this summit. It's really, I think, only the United States where this is not like front page news every day for the whole week. Uh, and I think the reason why is simple. They know that if Americans understood that this was going on, if they knew that Joe Biden and John Kerry were running around promising our children and our grandchildren's money to these people, uh, there would be very loud calls to put a stop to it immediately. Who are are some of these leaders who are showing up? I know every year the leaders show up and they give their speeches and uh, rah, 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 and they tell us why we have to deindustrialize our nation. I understand that Joe Biden's not there. John Kerry's there, right? Who else? Who's all there? What are they saying? What have they said publicly, at least? Yeah, John Kerry is here. Uh, Joe Biden was supposed to come, but because of health concerns, he wasn't able. He sent Kamala or Kamala or whatever it is, Harris instead. Carmella. Apparently um, it's Carmella. Senator Whitehouse. Carmella. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. So uh, but you've got a team of senators actually uh, in just uh, what a couple hours. There's supposed to be a big press conference here with a huge delegation from the U.S. Senate, huge delegation from the U.S. House of Representatives is here, including, incidentally, a lot of very prominent Republicans with the Climate Solutions Caucus. Um and uh, you've got dictators, potentates. Uh, the Pope was supposed to be here, but also due to health reasons, he had the uh, Secretary of State for the Vatican represent him at the opening of the uh, Faith Pavilion. He read out some prepared remarks from the Pope. You've got the Grand Imam of uh, you know whatever it is, uh, one of the big Imams. Uh, who else is here, Debbie, from the big leaders? Do you know? Uh, King Charles. King Charles. That's right. King Charles wow. is here. Uh, yeah, King Charles is a central figure in this whole thing. So lots of very powerful, uh, you know, prime ministers, Prime Minister uh, Rishi Sunak from the UK, the, the Hindu uh, prime minister of the UK was here. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, most of them have come and gone. They're here for the hoopla of the opening of the conference. And, you know, it was like an awards sem- ceremony at the beginning of this conference because they're like everybody. I think we said 17 million in the U.S. and the Saudi Arabia said 100 million or was it UAE, UAE getting all this money for the loss of damage. And, and, but, yeah. when, but we stay to the end where all the negotiations are settled and in paper so that we can bring back to the American people what the decisions were made. So we're usually the, the last ones here every night, including the conference. So it's, you know, the hoopla and the paparazzi and the they've all pretty much left now. So it's it's just you and me, Alex, now. Yeah, in the media section. Yeah, we're uh, some of the last ones in here. Actually, yeah, it's totally empty. <laughs> where where are but, you guys, um, by the way? What is that power. room? What is that room? Is that the uh, media room? Yeah, this is the uh, broadcast media section. So they've got a big media area. We're sitting here and yeah. typically you'll have, uh, you know, the cheerleading section or members of the cheerleading section here. But it's late enough in the day, Dubai time that uh, we're the last ones left. So if yeah. I can add, I Please. just found out that 
this has been this cop cop 28 i found out from tim davis who's in charge of all the media that comes to the cops every cop that this media in this media room in this section was over six thousand eight hundred media personnel and he said this has been the largest cop ever with uh, extraordinary amounts of people here from media why why does she suppose that is why do you suppose there's so many journalists here because this is a huge cop. Because it's a huge They're cop. that yeah. close to getting, you know, their their dream of global governance. Yeah. So. What, what reaction? Hey, Paul, hold on. It, it's not just a huge amount of journalists here. There's more people here than there's ever been at any cop. Uh, the estimates we're seeing between seventy and 80,000 people here. Uh, typically 40,000 was a big number. So th this is a huge, huge deal. Again, for the rest of the world, they're just not talking about it in America because the American people would probably rise up with torches and pitchforks. Well, is there are, is there any protest? My understanding is that the conference is actually pretty far away from Dubai. It's not like right there in the city. Is there any uh, protest? or people gathering outside of rallying and and uh, forcing this on it like what's the reaction outside of the conference from regular people are there regular people around there um, well, you, you don't do a lot of protesting in places like this. We're on the Arabian Peninsula. Protesting is a, a very fast ticket to jail prison uh, you know you don't say anything bad about uh, your hosts, uh, you know, it's, it's just not the kind of country where you can protest. But um, inside the conference, and this happens every year, uh, you've got what uh, Bill Jasper famously dubbed the rent-a-mobs. And so the, the politicians take our money, they give it to activists, and then the activists come in here and shriek and scream, and they're allowed to, you know, do all kinds of stunts. And why aren't you saving us fast enough? And so uh, that is always uh, a feature of these things. It's a feature now. You've got people running around chanting. In fact, 10 minutes before we started, I could hear a, a giant mob outside shrieking about stopping fossil fuel use. So th that's, you know, a normal part of the conference. But, you know, these are protesters who are doing the bidding of the establishment, protesters who are doing the bidding of the U.N. and the climate agenda, legitimate protesters, people who are actually protesting the concept of this thing would not be allowed probably to even cross the border into the country. Yeah. And we should have American protesters here. We, sh we really should be. There should be a U.S presence here that is saying we we're not going along with this but um so the world thinks that the united states is going along with this because they don't hear that they don't see the 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 opinions of the american people they just see what you know cnn and msnbc share with them which is hey we're going along with this we're still in and yeah you know, enjoy the ride to loss of freedom and liberty alex go go back to this to this cultish um aspect of it now this is something you've been focusing on has this gotten more pronounced i know you talked about it last last segment but uh has it got because last year you reported on it and there was some a little backtracking if i remember your reporting correctly uh you know i think they walked up on the mountain and then they kind of took back and said no it's not really like the ten commandments or whatever uh has that cultish element become more pronounced or have they they dialed that down a little bit Oh, it's more obvious and more um, omnipresent than ever before. They actually have the first ever faith pavilion this year. Uh, it was inaugurated. Pope Francis was supposed to be there for the inauguration. Instead, uh, he had to send the Secretary of State for the Vatican. But you had this huge, you had the President of the United Arab Emirates there to inaugurate it. You had the Grand Imam of, I forget what he was the Grand Imam of, but he's like one of the biggest Imams in the world. All, all these super huge religious figures. So we, I actually walked with them today, uh, got some B-roll. We'll send that in as soon as we can get it uploaded of uh, the Faith Walk. They had all these representatives of the major faiths. Uh, but there, there was a little bit of backtracking. Last year with the new Ten Commandments, they got a 
lot of pushback. And uh, I was just talking to one of the uh, Jewish organizers of all this stuff, a very nice gentleman. Uh, we had a nice discussion last year, too. And when I mentioned the Ten Commandments, they said, oh, no, it's the Ten Spiritual Principles of Climate Change. But of course, on their website, it was Ten Commandments. He Everywhere was Ten you. Commandments. He blamed you. For he said, that. maybe that's how you presented it. But of course, we have all the evidence. They, they actually did the whole ceremony where the guy pretending to be Moses smashed the new Ten Commandments tablets on the top of Mount Sinai. So uh, they're, they're trying, I think, to distance themselves a little bit from that because of the bad press they got uh, and, and the horror of American evangelicals when they saw this kind of stuff. But yeah, the, the cult, the one world religion angle of this is, is more in your face than ever before. Yeah, that's um, that's really something important that I'm glad you're watching out for because they are trying to because do they see the other religions or, or faiths, especially Christianity, as an obstacle to implementing their their utopian tyrannical goal? Uh, well, I know we're almost out of time, but they actually had quite a few, uh, quote unquote, self-proclaimed Christian leaders there. Uh, they had a bishop from the Church of Sweden. They had a metropolitan from the Greek Orthodox Church. Uh, they had a number of representatives of evangelicalism. Uh, and so, yeah, unfortunately, they've gotten a lot of the Christians involved in this thing as well. Thanks, Alex. After this, Steve Bond to join us to report what's he seen at COP28. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence proclaims God-given rights, and we intend to protect them. Working with people like you for over 50 years, preserving freedom and building a better tomorrow, safeguarding the Constitution by limiting government power. We are restoring liberties, educating voters, and leading the freedom movement. Join with us. United, we will defend our rights. We are all Americans. We are the John Birch Society. All right, so join us from Dubai is the New Americans Executive Senior Editor, Steve Bonta. Steve, how are you, sir? I'm okay. Yeah. As I told you before, I had quite an adventure getting back tonight, thanks to a malfunctioning GPS and other sort yeah. of things. But other than that, I'm all right. Yes. Um, so you're know. obviously at the climate conference. What news do you bring oh. us? We talked to Alex. We talked to Debbie. They kind of filled us in. But I understand there's a lot going on. So what have you been seeing over there? What's happening? Yeah, well, I mean, today they had they had a major plenary session at in late morning, which I attended. And they, they had uh, shake. Jobert was there. He's the fellow that, uh, of course, has been in the world news the last few days because they, some enterprising reporter dis unearthed some comments that he made that I guess he thought were off the record a couple months ago in which he, he said, uh, to his credit, I have to say, that, uh, that, that, that there was no scientific evidence for the need for, you know, for ending fossil fuel e use or, oh, wow. or words to that effect. And apparently this sent... Uh, frizzones of horror through the conference. This was a couple days before I arrived. So this was last week's scandal. But he's still the, you know, he's the president of the COP. And then there's another guy named Simon Steele, who's the executive secretary. He's a Grenadian, Grenadian gentleman. And he's, uh, he, he, in his opening remarks, when at the, you know, back on December 2nd or 3rd, or whenever it was, he made a particularly forceful speech, which I wrote about in the New American before I even got in the plane saying, you know, he, that this guy's really, you know, the rhetoric is, is very fierce and talking about, you know, using a lot of coercive 
language, you know, must and shall happen. This is going to happen and this is how things are going to be. So anyway, he gave, he gave, he gave a, a short but, a, again, a ferociously, you know, very angry speech saying, in effect, you know, yes, you know, we understand there should be compromise, but we're not compromising on 1.5 C. And that, that's that's one of the things that, that this is the the idea that um, uh, th- this is one of the one of the the themes in the conference is that the that the maximum allowable average global temperature rise shall be 1.5 degrees Celsius and not a tenth of a degree more. That that that's it. It's more than that. And he went on to say, you know, we have about three or four more years before the damage becomes irrevocable and things are going to spin out of control. And uh, and the glaciers are going to melt and we won't ever be able to reconstitute them and we will end up with runaway climate change and so forth and so on. And he, he was speaking in very, very strident tones, which tells me that I, I think, you know, the decision has been made that it's time to really do a full court press with a lot of these things. Um, a lot of the in, in the um, in the remarks section afterwards, a whole stream of mostly left-wing, thir- uh, you know, third-world countries, Cuba, Bolivia, mm, Senegal, and so forth, made, you know, angry, strident remarks. Samoa was very prominent. They, being an island nation, believe that they're going to be wiped off the face of the earth by imminent rising seas. And so, but they were all going on about, how, you know, about how it's time for the, you know, for the developed countries to pay the money that they owe us, that, you know, they extracted us uh, for, from us, you know, and and it's time to end carbon colonialism and all the rest. It just went on and on. Well, Steve, so hold up, hold up. Let me. So, how does that? How does that? Uh, how does that work? Since the president of the COP apparently doesn't believe in this, or is that, that was that off record? So he's denying that he doesn't believe there is a legitimate threat of this um, catastrophic man-caused climate change. Well, he he, he has, I, I guess, from the point of view of of of, of the. The people, not my point of view, from the point of view of people who run COP, he's got a clear conflict of interest because he is uh, the president of, of like, uh, the leader, the CEO mm-hmm. of one of one or uh, the major energy company here, the state-owned energy company here in, in, in Dubai. And so he's made a lot of his money extracting petroleum and natural gas. And uh, the other major issue that's been bubbling up has been that uh, the UAE has apparently used this this occasion to the, the, to actually be quietly cutting backroom deals with representatives from the various countries that are involved in this conference. You know, I mean, the, their perspective as well. This is in effect a summit of a whole bunch of countries. The conference is to the party. So why don't we go ahead and, and network and schmooze and and arrange for you know. More, more extractive industries, you know, more natural gas and, and oil extraction in, in these countries. Of course, it's all going to be green and clean, but we're going to do it and we're going to make money and so forth and so on. So, you know, yeah. uh, this, this is being brought up again. Personally, I I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. But, but it, it's you know, so- I don't have a problem with fossil fuels either. And most people here do it. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, the the degree of, of bile that, that I've that I've seen already on display um, in the various sessions that I went to this afternoon, the press conferences given by various activist groups and so forth over and over again. The theme is that, you know, the U.S. is basically the great Satan of the global environment and they owe us reparations big time. And, uh, you know, Canada and and uh, other uh, are, are just, just as bad. One, one of the sessions opened with this long, angry screed by a man who from his name was presumably Muslim 
going on about something essentially irrelevant, which is the war in Gaza and how evil Israel is and so forth and so on. So it's pretty much a smorgasbord of all of the usual left-wing conceits rolled up into, um, you, know, you know, packaged as, as, as environmentalism. But pretty much, you know, everything, you know, the, the, the um, let's see, I believe it was the French delegation in the general session said that they think that global finance should be, one of the objectives should be completely con uh, configure all global finances in accordance with the Paris Accord. So that henceforth all financial tr transactions will be will will be guided by these green principles, and of course will will be subordinate to the to this over you know the, this imperative of transferring wealth yeah. from the wealthy. Well, well, that that would be to that would be the kind of thing that they can use an excuse to track us, right? To track your carbon footprint, to track what you're buying, to see if it's environmentally friendly and things like that. Is that is that what yeah, that yeah, would I mean, come? Yeah, what I'm what I what I'm seeing today is is and we I mean we've talked about this before, but it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to see it face to face. Mm -hmm. Is that clearly this is the cause celebre now for the advancement of global socialism, the new world order, a one world government. It's all being done under the aegis of global environmentalism, and you know pretty much everything that we could talk about is being talked about. Is being brought into. I mean, there was one. Con, there was one session today. It was not. I was not open to the to the public, so I wasn't able to go into it. But it was talking about how we need to, how we need to re recast the debate over climate in terms of how it is affecting the children and how the children's welfare is paramount. So mm -hmm. you know, pretty much anything you can imagine, any possible rationale, any tangent, any rabbit trail you can think of. Wow. Speaking of children, is Greta there? What's that? Speaking of children, is Greta there? Do they have a Greta-like uh, I don't know. I haven't seen any. I mean, a lot of the more interesting stuff is actually in the green zone, where I spent a good part of the day before yesterday. That's that's the, the you know, the, the eyewash for the general masses. And the, the green zone is, you know, again, where all the propaganda takes place. I sent you a number of videos and, and yeah. stills of some of the stuff that's there. And it's very sophisticated. No expense is spared. Whereas the blue zone... Where all the blue bloods go, effectively. I mean, that's ironic the terms that they use, right? Mm -hmm. um, all, all the all the elites are there, along with the you know journalists yapping at their heels, like myself, and uh, and a few activists to sort of stir the pot. That's that's where the action is, in effect. Yeah. But in some ways, it's less interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, Steve, I definitely want to hear more about some of these uh, propaganda displays as well as uh, how what they plan on using this money for. But we're going to be right up. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to discuss that after this. Well, hey, folks, the New American has published our latest collector's edition bookazine. It's called Self-Reliance Foundation of Freedom. If we don't practice individual responsibility and if we don't provide for ourselves without government help, we will not be free. This Polish Collector's Edition includes articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the father, founding fathers, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other important topics. We encourage you to get a copy. It'll make a great stocking stuffer. Now, you can order copies at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. After this, Steve Bonta and I will continue our conversation about what is happening at COP28. I certainly would not want a constitutional convention. I mean, whoa. Who knows what would come out of that? It isn't the Constitution 
that's the problem. It is the people who ignore the Constitution. What we need are just more people that would read the one we have. It's up to us to hold our elected officials accountable. Who understand the Constitution and are willing to take a stand when necessary. All right, so we're back with Steve Bonte, executive senior editor for The New American. He's in Dubai. He is at the COP28 climate conference, and he's been telling about us about what he's seeing there. Steve, you were talking about these uh, propaganda displays, I guess, in the green zone, and you said they're pretty sophisticated. Any of them especially stick out to you? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, the UAE is, has immense wealth and resources, that, and, that they've cleared, and they've spared no expense in developing a series of you know, diorama type displays, but, you know, very, 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 you know, postmodern, you know, ultra modern stuff. I recorded some of them. Uh, the theme, there, there's, a, there's a, one of the, I mean, the expo area as a whole is huge, but, there, but there's a great big, large kind of weird looking silver building just inside one of the main entrances to the green zone. And in that building, uh, you, you go through and, and I uh, took a number, of, they have this very sophisticated tour um, designed by obviously a very a, a lot of very uh, you know sophisticated you know graphic designer and so forth, and it's it's intended to to portray all of this as the way of the future. So it had all this futuristic stuff. It had this you know this this display on AI that was extremely you know an assault on the senses, which I recorded, and this mm. this massive um, digitalized globe. That they used to show, you know, project future weather weather patterns, and they had another room where they had they had literally a look at what the world will be like in 2070 with all the the technology, and it, it was designed to to you know the G whiz factor was very high. In fact, my you know my 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 wife went with me to on that occasion because that was a that's open to the general public, and she was blown away by it. I mean, the, you know, the, these incredible light shows and everything else. So it was very very impressive. Yeah, uh, technologically yeah. speaking, and then there, there, then there's also a very very large building, and I took a bunch of pictures there as well with a lot of major corporations like IBM and Microsoft have great big booths there where they're explaining how they're doing their best, you know, for sustainability. And if if you allow, they'll buttonhole you and and uh, give you all this information. And they have you know it, it goes on and on. So, yeah. it, so yeah. it, it's it's very, and we only saw a fraction of the, the green zone. I mean, that that's like a huge tourist thing. Do they have and displays? So do they have displays that shows what the world would turn out like if we don't get this climate change under control? Is it like dark, dark future with uh, you know all sorts of brokenness and whatnot? I actually didn't see that so much. It, it was interesting to see that there was a lot of effort to um, to appeal to the, the local cultural sensibilities. I and mean, assuming that in the green zone, many of the casual visitors are going to be from the UAE and Saudi Arabia and, mm. and so forth. And yeah. so they had these big displays that made it look as though all of this that's happening is just an extension of the wisdom of various Islamic sages that they, they mentioned, uh, you, you know, uh, oh. like this, you know, that they, that they, so they had they had this one room that had full of these giant statues of these different different men and uh, and all the great things and you know their their vision for the future and all the rest of this and see we're we're trying we're this is what this is all about so they're they're trying to you know sort of syncretize this mm, with yeah. the local and cultural sensibilities so that that was very interesting 
Yeah. And again, but- it speaks to the sophistication of these people and 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 how they and how adroit they've become yeah. at putting a show that is really very, very uh, you know, very subtle. Well, maybe not so subtle, really, but very, very, very effective. I have to say very effective propaganda. Let, let me ask you. So, so these climate reparations that you said a lot of these developing countries want from us. What is the, the sense there? Like, for instance, if we don't if China doesn't cut back on fossil fuel use and Russia and pretty much a whole lot of the rest of the world, and apparently even the U.S. hasn't. What difference does it make? Uh, to them, if they get this money, what are they going to do with it? To uh, to are, is Samoa going to put you know stilts the, their island on a still? Like, what is the logic for this money? Well, it, it, well, like like with all things socialist, there is no logic. It's pure emotional. <laughs> what I've been hearing over and over again from you know pe- delegates from those countries and people, you know, uh, activists who are clearly sympathizing with them is that these are reparations due to us because we're poor as a result of your extracting the the you know the the the, the resources the, the resources but in in particular you know they're referring to the fossil fuels but resources generally so the mentality is very similar to the mentality of the you know the race reparations mm. that that become a big thing in the United States now only the idea is this this would be on a much much greater scale and I can't tell you how many times just today I heard people saying, you know, this is non-negotiable. You owe it to us. You know, you're just giving back money, you know, wealth that you stole from us, you know, during the, the wicked colonial period and so forth. And so, you know, the, the, the same old rhetoric that uh, that, you know, has been around for an awful long time that, the, you know, the, that the that the evil colonial countries are responsible for all the world's ills. Mm. And that includes the United States, despite the fact that the United States really never had anywhere near the number of colonies as, as Britain or France or and so forth. So, yeah. um, but the United States is the chief bugbear. I mean, U.S. there's a lot of U.S. hating going on. What, what does that even, look like? If, Explain some of that. Go on into some more. Oh, sure, even American activists, this one session I was in this afternoon, there were, there, there were a couple of Americans um, uh, who were going, one, one, one guy from Texas who was going on deploring the terrible things that the oil industry has done to Texas and the way it's impoverished people and, on and on and on, and uh, another guy from North Carolina, similar similar cant. So yeah, and then various people from countries not the U.S., you know, just re- railing against the United States. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely true. The vitriol and the bile are are very extreme. And from what I can discern, you know, behind the scenes, they they may not get the agreement that they're expecting to get. They've had a pretty pretty good run the last few years of pushing things through and and making a good show at the end but you know like last year getting getting the uh, cop 27 getting the, the the loss and damage payment things done but now countries are are, are, are dragging their heels uh, even the biden administration sympathetic as they are must be doing the math the electoral math and realize you know that the, that this is one of the main things that jeopardizes the reelection prospects of Joe Biden and obviously the continued empowerment of the radical Democrats on Capitol Hill. Uh, this, this is an issue that is, is just like hanging around their neck like an albatross. Now this, this, what they've been doing to the energy sector and, and all the other crazy things that they're doing in the name of the environment and clearly subordinating the United States to the Paris Accord. So 
a lot of other countries are starting to feel the heat too. And so, especially you know, the European so I, countries who've bought into this, right? Right. I mean, you know, so, so, so yeah, so, the, so the, the bluff, I'm hearing lots of bluster and threat as again, today I've heard, you know, the Marsh Marshall islands and Samoa and Bolivia and Cuba and Senegal speaking in French in the case of the Senegalese and various others, um, you know, just going on and on and on, you know, and, and, and uh, and just uh, just yeah. telling us what they really think about so, the United States and about the wicked, the wicked uh, first world, you know, the place that developed the cell phones, the computers, all the other things that they that they now critically rely on. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's critical in the extreme, but that doesn't stop them. We, we know, got this, about this a is, we got about a minute, Steve. What agreement do they want as far as the, the leaders and the, the eco-Nazi leaders here? What do they want out of this that you said they, they're probably not going to get? Well, number one, they want absolute ironclad commitment that they want the money to start flowing. They want the tributary payments to commence yesterday, you know, uh, from, and in fact, today was, the, was kicked off the second half of the conference when they're going to start, you know, doing the negotiation there, there, several of them were claiming that, you know, that a lot of the negotiating is being taken, is taking place behind closed doors. And that, and a lot of the, uh, the weaker countries, the smaller countries, the poor countries are being excluded from from the negotiations and that that's not appropriate we demand an equal footing and so forth you know all, all the rest of this so yeah there's a lot of indignation but at the end of the day um these countries don't have the means to compel the likes of the u.s and france and germany and canada and so forth to cough up the cash if they don't want to yeah and they know this so they you know they've not, nothing left to lose so there, there, there's lots of rhetorical bile yeah. and billings so it's we'll see where it leads it, we, we certainly will, and we'll have you back on next week. It's it's going to continue. This is very interesting development because this seems like the uh, like they've kind of uh, now that it's come close to the to the wire. Uh, they're not necessarily we're not on board anymore. Thank you, Steve. That's Steve Bonta reporting from Dubai, and thank you everyone for tuning in to the New American Daily. Remember to visit the for more truth behind the news. Please join us again Monday.